What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. While we are normally lowly anticipated, today we should be highly anticipated because Andy and I are joined by Fear the Swords and Press Basketball's Justin Rowan, who is also the host of the Chase Down podcast. How are you doing tonight, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if I bring in the audience, though. I don't know if I make this highly anticipated. I'll second Dan. I. I think. I think I'm just here. <laughs> oh no, you. Made well, you it. already got him to drop lowly anticipated. He was like arguing was going to be his trademark last episode, so you already got him to drop that. Okay. You, well, you can't, you, can't, you can't use it when quality guests. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions come on because then they're like well then what the hell am i doing on this podcast if no one's listening i'm just <laughs> i think it's retired <laughs> nope it will never it'll be retired once beno udre shot outs retire um all right we still have that going all right as everyone could probably have guessed although maybe by justin being so well and happy to be here they could not have guessed we are going to talk some kyrie irving cleveland cavaliers because his trade request which seems to have been made a while ago, was made public just before this past weekend. Um, And there are just so many moving parts to this saga right now that I kind of just want to start with probably the broadest question possible. What is the pulse on, on this type of situation, Justin? Is there any feel for what you think maybe what the Cavaliers are going to look for in return? For Kyrie, just because he doesn't have a no-trade clause, he gave them a list of preferred mm-hmm. teams, but that doesn't really matter. Are they going to go after picks and young guys? Are they going to go after guys who will maximize LeBron's window now? I, I just find that fascinating in terms of what type of return they're going to aim for. I mean, it's really difficult to kind of nail down exactly what type of return they should even target. I mean, without a firm commitment from LeBron James, they're really in a tough situation because you can trade for win-now assets and, and guys with short-term value trying to maximize, one, your, your shot at a championship as well as get LeBron to commit to coming back. But at the same time, you have no idea if LeBron is going to come back. Um, so as much as you want to hedge, and I think that's probably what they do, I, I think they're going to look for deals with guys that, that can make an impact now uh, but still have... Uh, something to give in the future, but it, it's really hard to, to look at what they want to target and what the proper direction to go is 
without that commitment from LeBron. But obviously, that's not something that is going to happen at any point. Do you think, and I was listening to uh, your podcast today, do you think they're going to end up getting a point guard, not just in return as part of the package, but do you think whatever point guard they get back will be sort of a main ingredient to the package? Um, I, I think they're going to get a guard of some sort back. Um, I, I think any deal that they're targeting that would be one of the priorities to, to get that type of player back. I don't think it necessarily needs to be a point guard because LeBron James is best with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's one of the best passers in the league. And as much as people like to fantasize, oh, what it would it be like if he was playing with a pure point guard? What would he look like next to Lonzo Ball uh, in L.A. next year? Um, like, it, it just doesn't make sense because why would you take the ball out of LeBron's hands in order to maximize someone else? So I think the priority is always going to be to find someone uh, that can initiate the offense but is capable of playing off ball and um and scoring and, and playing in that role because that that's something Kyrie Irving has done well over the years. And, and even Tyron Lewis talked about how he's asked Kyrie to pass less and less uh, just to fill that scoring role because that's what they need alongside LeBron. Um, so I, I think that's something that they would target in a trade. I kind of feel like that phase of LeBron's career where he, where he would be good with a pass first point guard is still like five years away. <laughs> yeah <laughs> at the I mean so I agree with you there the I, I I get the intrigue um with the Lakers and I get that the front office and the ownership has kind of been a mess all summer long and um people have talked about they, these are going to be LeBron's excuses for leaving he, he has plenty of things that he can blame for leaving now um mm-hmm. but I'm with you I think the best way to maximize his window at this point is to let him just continue to be who he's been for the last few years and it might be hard to find another guy who can who can fill both primary and secondary scorer role the way that, that Irving has. Yeah, I doubt that they're going to find a move that makes them better. It may make them a more well-rounded team, and some of the proposed offers out there, I think, could do that. Um, but it's going to be really hard to replace someone of Irving's caliber. And as well, also his ceiling. Because he was 24 years old last season, and one of the best ways that they could go about closing the gap between them and Golden State is Kyrie taking that leap to become a first-tier point guard. Um, Without that kind of upside, without someone that can um, play at that level, I think it's going to be really, really tough for them next season. Do you think all this... uh... This just came to my head. Is Mamba mentality a good or a bad thing for Kyrie Irving? Um, <laughs> Can't we just agree Mamba mentality thing. is a bad idea for everybody? That, well, that's, that's kind of my thought, but I don't know. That seems to be at least part of what's driving this. So I'm, just, I'm curious what the, uh, what the consensus might be among people who follow the Cavs a little bit closer. Or I guess closer. it depends how you define Mamba ma- mentality. Like... I, I think his desire and his willingness to try to be the guy that takes over and, and is assertive offensively and playing without fear is one of his best traits, and, and it's part of why they won a championship. Now, I don't think Kyrie is necessarily in the Kobe mold the same way a lot of people do. Um, I, I think a lot of what we see is based on how he's been coached, Um I think it's important to note that in his six years in Cleveland, he's had three general managers and three head coaches. Um, That that is really tough. And when LeBron first came, what he had said was, oh, I want to be, uh, I want to pass more. I want to get up to eight, nine assists. And then, as I said, Tyron Lue has asked him to dial that back to make sure that um, he, he's scoring first with LeBron out there. If there's an open pass, make it but he's out there to provide that spot-up shooting. I mean, even when he's involved in the pick-and-roll, he's the screener in the pick-and-roll for the bulk of uh, those possessions. So those aren't assist opportunities. Um, When LeBron's off the floor, all of a sudden, while Kyrie's true shooting percentage stays about the same, his assist percentage goes up to over 40%. So he does play in that role, but he's also just functioning uh, within the offense of the team. So... um, 
a, a team that's trading for Kyrie is taking uh, a gamble, obviously, with him being removed from LeBron. Um, but I do think that there's enough signs there that say we're you're not trading for um, a late career Kobe Bryant whose only focus is gunning. Um, I, I do think he has a better understanding of the game than most people give him credit for. So do you think he can be the centerpiece, the number one guy, the, the alpha guy for uh, a noticeably above average team? I believe so, yes. What's what's interesting, and I know we've all seen the numbers about what the Cavaliers are kind of like when Kyrie's running solo without LeBron or with Love and without LeBron. If you kind of isolate the lineups, it just becomes so hard to decipher because before we jumped on, I looked at the five most used lineups that Kyrie Irving was in without LeBron, and, and they're essentially they're a slight plus total, which is kind of encouraging, but it's just so close that it only adds to how convoluted this entire situation is because one you don't want to make conclusions off these small sample sizes because the Cavaliers just shouldn't be playing without LeBron on the floor period at the same time I do think there's a little bit to it uh, just how you would have hoped that maybe uh, he would have been able to carry them in LeBron's absence more and then yet to play the flip side again did they really stagger their minutes enough in some of these situations because it doesn't necessarily look like they did they're just there are so many layers to it that I don't think it's cut and dry, and I honestly, I, I just don't even know which side of the argument I, I fall on right now. The the Cavs are so frustrating to discuss because it's really hard. Like, there's always an excuse. There's always an explanation. There, there's always some context beyond the numbers. Like, this is a team that doesn't really try hard in the regular season. And, I, I mean... Outside of Tristan Thompson, uh, if Kyrie were to try on defense, he would basically be the only one other than Thompson. Um, when you look at his minutes without uh, LeBron, uh, a lot of the games, or almost all of those games that um, LeBron does sit, are the second night of a back-to-back. And we're talking about a very shallow Cavs lineup that had trouble winning with J.R. Smith out of lineup, with Kevin Love out of the lineup. Half of those minutes that Kyrie's played without LeBron have come without Kevin Love as well. So that has to be a factor. So there's just so many things that go into it. That's why I said, as much as I am a a, a Kyrie fan and, and a believer in him, it is a gamble for another team. There There is a fair amount of unknown, but I just think that there's enough signs out there. And um, I, I believe his work ethic is strong enough to, to really make him excel in those situations because... As I mentioned before, there's been tons of turnover. There's been tons of turmoil in the Cavs since he's got there. And I think a lot of young players wouldn't turn out as well as he has if he didn't have that work ethic. He certainly had bad habits to overcome. But when you talk about three offensive systems in his first four years, so much change. Um, I One, it, it's amazing that he came out this good. And then on the other hand, you can understand with no commitment from LeBron moving forward why he would have some trepidations about still committing to this Cavs team. That has to be yeah, part I, of it, right? Like, I'm sorry to interject there, Billy, but I, I know it's come out that he kind of doesn't want to play beside LeBron anymore and he wants to have his own team. But some of the teams on the list that he gave the Cavaliers reportedly, those aren't teams that would be considered his own team. And I'm almost wondering, does the, the way we're looking at it now sort of add uh, – to the, to the conviction behind reports that it was LeBron's side that sort of leaked this, because I don't, I, I would argue more, and even, I know I'm not there, and it, you know, you don't know Kyrie Irving personally, or you don't know what he's feeling, but I would argue it's more important to him, most likely, that he has no idea whether LeBron is going to be there after next season, and why would you want to be part of the Cavaliers without him at this point, given all the stuff that has gone wrong, wrong since LeBron even came? Like, if you just look at that front office turmoil and kind of how this offseason mm-hmm. itself has unfolded. I don't think his priority is being the best player on a team. I think his priority is being the primary initiator of the offense. Like, I, I think he doesn't want to play off ball all the time. Um, I, I think he was promised the, the reins to the operation. And, and it's funny because uh, Brian Windhorst has confirmed that Kyrie's camp was not the one that leaked it out. It was someone else. He, he wouldn't deny that it was LeBron's camp. Uh, he said it was pro- probably came from multiple different places. Um, but when you look at the reports, 
Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, he said that if LeBron was signed long-term, this situation would not be coming up, um, which is obviously contradictory to the, the LeBron aspect of this. The other thing is, if David Griffin was still employed, this would not be an issue. Ky- Kyrie would not be asking for this trade request. Uh, I really think it's a domino effect that Dan Gilbert, when he pitched LeBron to come to Cleveland, had said he wasn't going to cut corners. He, he cut corners in the front office, and, and there were some cutting corners with the roster last season, uh, keeping an open roster spot until like February, March, um, and, and then letting David Griffin go. All of a sudden, the guy that had signed Kyrie that had always had his back um, all of a sudden is no longer there. He's no longer there to tell Kyrie when the reins are going to be handed over to him. Um, and then from there, Kobe Altman, the new general manager, had included Kyrie in trade talks. Um, they didn't keep Kyrie in the loop with the process. And when Kyrie found out he was being discussed in trade talks, uh, that obviously pissed him off more. So without Griffin in place, I think it makes it less likely that LeBron uh, gives any sort of assurance moving forward. And when you factor all of those things together, it leads to Kyrie not wanting to be there anymore. Yeah, I think uh, so. Usually when the star player requests a trade and it, it breaks, that guy's almost always the villain right off the bat. And this is such an interesting case because of all those things that you just cited. He's almost the sympathetic character um, in this play right now. It's, it's really interesting to me. And I agree with mm-hmm. everything you said. It's, uh, I don't really have a dog in this fight, but after seeing LeBron kind of bolt from Cleveland and then Miami, you can understand why his teammates might be a little bit worried that he would do that to him again. Um, right. I had I had two questions just based on some things that you said in previous answers. So Kyrie wants to be maybe not necessarily the best player on his team, but but the primary initiator or the primary playmaker. My favorite spot for him is Denver. Um, I'd love that. Same. Would he be okay with that? I mean, because I think they could figure they it out. They do have so feet, would right? Be... Den- Denver. <laughs> yes, it is legal there. Um, but Jokic runs that offense, at least right now. Is there a way they can figure it out to appease Kyrie, or would he be okay becoming the like super Gary Harris, scoring constantly off back doors and, and pop-outs? Um, I, just, I love the way it fits. I, I just wonder if he would be okay with it. Um, I, I mean, I'm a huge, huge Jokic fan. Um, I wouldn't say he necessarily runs the offense. I, I mean, he runs a lot of it almost probably similar to what Kevin Love did in Minnesota. But mm-hmm. I, I th- still think there's enough usage there and there's enough possessions that Kyrie could still be the lead guard and really absorb um, uh, a lot of the, the possessions that would have been initiated by either Moody, Harris, or Jamal Murray. Um, I, I, I just think there's enough touches there on the perimeter um, because in, in any trade where they do get Kyrie, that perimeter rotation is really going to be thinned out. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think um, there, there's certainly enough possessions for him to split between um, himself and Jokic. Uh, Paul Millsap is really, really low maintenance, and I think is a great third option there. It'd be a perfect um, so, trio. So I really do think that is a situation that would work well. So my that kind of leads to my next question, and we can talk about it in the context of Denver or really in any other team you've heard sort of pop up as a possibility. Um, the idea of so you brought up depth at one point, and yeah, I think I think the Cavs are pretty thin after maybe six or seven or eight man rotation. Um, I'm really intrigued by trading Kyrie Irving for multiple above average guys instead of maybe like one star and an asset, because I think to me LeBron James and Kevin Love at the top could still be really good and maybe you just supplement it with a bunch of 3 and D guys and, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording um, but what where would you fall on land another star versus use Kyrie to kind of build our depth a little bit I think in the last three decades or so moving Kyrie for a lot of um, above average starters and role players would make a lot of sense um, I think the era where you can win with two stars is at least temporarily on hold. Um, I think with the Golden, 
I think with the Golden State Warriors and what they've assembled, uh, we're, we're talking about the most talented team that's ever really been put together. And even if you do have multiple quality defenders, they just have so much offensive talent and, and actually talent on both ends that if you don't have guys that can break down the defense and get you buckets um, when the Warriors are playing perfect defense, which, which is going to be a lot of those possessions, if you don't have multiple guys that can do that, they can start to stifle the offense and do what they've done against teams with only one initiator. Um, I, I just think you need another high-level score. Um, so when you're talking about should they trade for a star, yes, but it, I think it ha- they have to get some sort of high-level offensive talent in there, um, not just a, a star that uh, has a well-rounded game. Like um, ov- Obviously, the Jazz would never do it, but let's say uh, Rudy Gobert, for example, I don't think that would make the difference. I think it would obviously transform the Cavs defense and, and they'd be a much more well-rounded team but offensively I don't think that they would get enough buckets for that in, in that hypothetical I, I think they need to target that elite level offensive talent I'm a big advocate for the trade I think that's just been floated around I, I personally think it's too much for Milwaukee to give up but I understand why they do it when you look at how Kyrie can get you buckets uh, in the postseason specifically down the stretch. But the one that's been floated is Brogdon, Chris Middleton, and then some combination of one or two first-round picks. Uh, Zach Lowe had said on his podcast that he's just not sure if the combination of Brogdon and Middleton provides you with enough shot-making in Kyrie's absence, and then maybe you're a better regular season team, but you kind of stall out in the playoffs. I think that package, though, might be the best chance the Cavaliers would have, assuming it's out there or the framework of it's out there, of them replicating or exceeding what they had with the Kyrie Irving dynamic because I mm-hmm. think Brogdon might still develop as a shot creator. Uh, he's already a pretty good pick or at least a passable pick-and-roll player. And, and Chris Middleton, he might be the most underrated player in the NBA. I think Justin and I and a couple other people during the playoffs mm-hmm. talked about how he's he might be a top four, three, five shooting guard uh, if that's a position yeah. you're going to pigeonhole him to. So. Uh, that would be interesting to me because I think he might be a guy that could get you buckets, not in the same volume or necessarily when you're creating for yourself in the same efficiency levels as Kyrie, but the combination of everything you get there. And then, like you said, if the priority is hedging, if that's a framework that's out there, and I I don't know Milwaukee's train of thought because I think that would be an awful lot uh, for them to give up. I understand why you do it. It might be one of those situations where the Bucks would be worse in the regular season, but better off in the postseason, and Cleveland vice versa. I, I completely agree. Um, like, I would value Chris Middleton, and I would take him on my team over DeMar DeRozan almost any day. That's an and, easy and that, one, right? And, and yeah. that's, you're, and that's, you're among friends with that day. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's not necessarily, like, I think DeRozan's shown a lot of growth uh, over the last year or so. Um, so I'm, I'm not just trying to shade him, but Chris Middleton, he, he was, I believe in the 90th percentile in isolation scoring. Like he's not just a spot up threat. Now the big question is, is he the same player he was two years ago or is he better than he was two years ago? Because he is coming off that injury. Brogdon, I I mean, was fantastic for a rookie, but he's also like 45 years old. Um, so I, I actually, that would be a package that I would be able to stomach that like that makes sense to me. And I think Kyrie would do well in Milwaukee. Um, I think that's another situation where you have that supplemental playmaking, um, because as much as I believe Kyrie can show more than he has as a playmaker, I think it's a waste of his talent and skill to become a pass first player when he is as talented as he is. Like, I, I think you have to play to your skill set and you have to maximize the talent that you have there. So I, I think in a perfect world, maybe Kyrie is a 28 and seven player um, and, and doing that efficiently. So I, I think if you have multiple guys around him, Giannis obviously uh, can bring that. Um, that's a situation where he can excel. Um, the, the other thing to consider is while those two, Brogdon and Middleton, might not fill in all of that scoring, um, those first round picks can also be flipped uh, for other players and, and help fill out the rotation. Sure. Now, the Cavs don't have tons of future assets, so that would be really committing to, hey, we're, we're trying to win. LeBron, look what we're trying to do to, to get you another championship. Please, oh my God, I hope you stay. Um, <laughs> so 
Um, obviously, there'd be risks associated with that. But I, I think having those assets as well, maybe it helps you flip Shumpert because Shumpert is fairly redundant at this point. Uh, he's probably the third shooting guard uh, behind Jr. and Corver. Uh, with Middleton in there, he becomes even more redundant. So maybe you you are able to fill other needs. Um, maybe, maybe you're able to uh, go out and get more depth uh, at center. Uh, who who knows what you can use with those picks? So I, I think that would be a very intriguing option. All right, I want to talk about another one that's out there. Um, and I think this was from the same podcast with Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst when Windhorst talked about the Phoenix stuff. Um, I don't remember exactly what he had on there. You might remember better than me, but there was Eric Bledsoe, Josh Jackson. I think I think they might have thrown Jared Dudley in there just while they were talking. Um, yeah, what are what are your thoughts on that sort of a package? Um, you should I, know that I'm I mean, in love with Josh Jackson before you speak. <laughs> Pardon me. Said you should know that I'm unreasonably high on Josh Jackson before you speak. I really like him as a player. I think he, there's a decent possibility he's going to be the best player in this draft. Um, I wouldn't hate it. I, I think with the hedging, I would want the centerpiece of the deal um, to be a little more established than him, um, if, if I'm being picky. But if the if there aren't better competing offers, that, that would be one that, that would work. Um, I think Josh Jackson can just be an absolute defensive monster. Um, it, I believe in him as a scorer. I think that works. Bledsoe obviously comes with some injury concerns. Um, Dudley would work well in the Cavs system. So I, I don't think that that's a, a bad trade at all. Um, but as I said, I'd prefer um, a, a more established uh, return for Kyrie. Does anyone find that the Suns being involved, even in speculation, does any, anyone find that a little weird? I kind of thought they'd be a better third-team intermediary where they're just kind of facilitating it by giving up just Bledsoe because Kyrie's younger than Bledsoe, but he's kind of on the same contractual timeline. You're going to have to invest big money in him in, in two years, let's say, and you're about to invest a lot of money in, in the next two years also in Devin Booker, and I'm not sure that's a... That backcourt's going to be electric as hell offensively, but I don't know how you function defensively when you don't really have any good defenders right now, any great defenders anyway, and then you're going to give up your best defensive prospect in Josh Jackson in that trade as well. So it's obviously been nothing official, but I just found it, I find it weird that the Suns are kind of being named as like this conjectural destination for Kyrie Irving. It makes yeah. sense to me just because, Justin, um, mm-hmm. they haven't had a – I mean, they've been mired in below mediocrity That's for fair. basically since they lost Steve Nash, right? I, I think – I understand them swinging for the fences and, and wanting a star. Now I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and let Justin um, offer his response to that too. I, I, I don't really have a lot to say there. I think they are going to eventually be the third team in this and, and give up Bledsoe. Um, I, I don't think that – like, I understand their reasoning because as much as Kyrie isn't in a Paul George situation where he only has a year left on his deal, I still think if he makes enough noise, I, teams are going to be hesitant to trade for him and give up a lot um, if they don't get some sort of indication that he would consider remaining there long term. And I, I think Phoenix might be a little hesitant to part with Jackson. And without that, um, I, I just don't see them being able to make a proper competing offer. So I, I think they're going to end up being the third team. Like I, I could see as hilarious as it would be, and this is something Brian Windhorst has mentioned a few times, but the Cavs trading Kyrie to Minnesota, one of his preferred destinations, getting Wiggins in return, and maybe Bledsoe also comes there and other pieces get moved around. Now, Minnesota would have to find something to send to Phoenix or um, maybe the Cavs have something Phoenix desires, but I I can see that type of scenario taking place. Do you, I was actually going to ask you about that next. If that's the, if that's the move where you get Bledsoe and Wiggins as the centerpieces, maybe there's a pick coming back. Maybe you're just shedding some bad salary like Schumpert's. Do you like that? Uh, Because Wiggins is interesting to me because it, 
is he the perfect hedge because you know that he can create his own shot now? You bet on his defensive tools kind of rounding into form, maybe even more so beside LeBron James. And yet, if LeBron leaves, you know Wiggins is still going to be under team control because you can extend him now, and if not, he's just going to be a restricted free agent. You can match any offer that he gets next year. Yeah, that that would be the ultimate hedge deal. And there, there's also a fair amount of potential that this could really work out. Like, if Eric Bledsoe does stay healthy and with a more limited role playing along LeBron, Wiggins, Love, um, is able to really thrive and become the, the player that we've seen him be, that's a huge deal. If Wiggins is able to really figure out team defense and if not being the lead offensive option and playing 40 minutes a game uh, allows him to dedicate more time to playing defense and, and he's no longer one of the worst in the league, um, then maybe he becomes that that high-impact player on the wing. Maybe they traded him to Minnesota for all the growing pains in the growing years and get a more polished product now. Um, so maybe that works out. That, that would be a deal that um, would intrigue me a lot. I, I, I would prefer something like that than just strictly known commodities coming in return. Like, it, it's just more interesting when you have a rooting interest and, and there's players that you can watch kind of grow with the team. Like, that that's always more fascinating to me just as a fan. Yeah, I would agree with that. I <laughs> I, I almost prefer when the team that I'm cheering for is, like, on the fringes and <laughs> growing players. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> That's that's my so, comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, because there's I mean no expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these deals we've talked about involve guards uh, coming back to Cleveland. This Altman's been the GM um, for not long, but he was there with David Griffin before he was promoted. So he's he's been around for a little bit. Are you at all worried about the Derrick Rose signing? Oh man! Like, are they going to look at this as? we already have our point guard. Let's trade Kyrie and fill other needs. I, I don't think so. I don't think their intention okay. is uh, for him to be the starter. Uh, they had interest in him prior to this all blowing up. Like he was going to be the backup point guard there. Um, I, I really don't see them. I, I think they're smart enough to realize That's that that would hear. not be a great situation. <laughs> How many okay. MVP awards does LeBron automatically get if Jeff Green and Derrick Rose both shoot above average <laughs> clips from three next year? <laughs> I've I've had similar thoughts. Like if he can turn those guys around, my goodness. <laughs> and that's and Jeff Green, good old Jeff Green. Well, that, that's it's actually interesting because a lot of you know the the Cavaliers. If we remove this front office situation from the equation, then obviously the stuff that's going on with Irving, p- people were almost angry that they didn't get Paul George or Jimmy Butler. But their off season, given their cap situation, it wasn't objectively bad it was it was fine like these are the additions teams that have the league's highest payroll are able to make basically I mean it, I probably would have liked to have seen them linked more to these guys like Tabo Cephalosha and Luke and Bahamut uh, but uh, the offseason wasn't terrible it was all this front office turmoil or I guess the what if of if David Griffin's in charge does that Paul George deal get done because as they said since I guess we should just be playing the low post in the background right now but as they said (laughs) (laughs) as they said in the low post like if Kevin Pritchard pulls out of that deal via text message there's something that Griffin can do or conjure that kind of makes him come back in is he able to just handle the process uh, a little bit better so uh, I I get like those what-ifs kind of tainting the Cavaliers as offseason but to look at it as well they didn't get these guys so the offseason was a failure I understand you needed to bridge the solar system that was separating you from the Warriors but I guess realistically and plausibly it was always going to be a long shot so I was very interested to see kind of this sense of I don't want to go hopelessness and it probably certainly wasn't hopelessness inside Cleveland but outside where it's just like let's not forget this team is probably just going to reach the NBA finals again and let's also not forget that they could lose Kyrie and almost no matter what return they get do we see them losing in the Eastern Conference before the NBA Finals? Because I don't. No, no, I, I, I don't. I, I still think Boston has too many issues. Like um, Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas are still, as much as I love Horford, he's a terrible matchup against the Cavs, especially the front court of Tristan and Kevin Love. 
um, they, they really negate a lot of what makes him so effective. And Isaiah Thomas is still somebody that the, the Cavs are going to target on every single possession, assuming they, they still run the same plays. I mean, that that's going to be a fascinating development is how different Tyron Lue's offense looks without Kyrie there. Um, because so much of what they've ran um, is centered around two-man games with LeBron and Kyrie. And uh, as Andy said, if the direction they go is uh, above-average players but no stars, maybe they we see a completely different offense out of Lou. And how they adjust to that is going to be absolutely fascinating. My... My like dream scenario, and I don't really know why this is. Oh boy! I I think it would be so funny if LeBron just went scorched earth and tried to sort of <laughs> match or exceed what Westbrook and Harden did last year, and Kevin Love gets back to like his last year of Minnesota level. Kevin Love, um, I I think that's instantly one of the best one-two punches in the league. And you're right. I think it's probably not enough um, to bridge that. I think Dan called it a solar system between a team that has two of the best offensive players ever and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Um, but like you guys just said, I think that that core, just Kevin Love and LeBron James, still probably cruises past Boston or Toronto or Washington, whoever ends up second. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah, next next year they're going to be fine. It's it's beyond that that, that is yeah. completely uncertain. Do you have a gut feeling on this LeBron situation? Uh, my gut says he's probably gone, but I, I mean, I change every day. Like it's fairly 50, 50. He, he's so weird. Like <laughs> we're, we're really, we're really talking about some of the weirdest guys, uh, in the NBA when we're, we talk about the Cavs, like, yeah. And they Kyrie wound and up LeBron on the same are, roster. It's crazy. They, they're out there. They're out there. And I, I think, um, not enough credit was given to David Griffin for the job. He does managing personalities there. How, yeah, that, that was the other thing is like maybe Kyrie Irving, like this is all just fine. After, say the Cavaliers fail the trade rumors, it's David Griffin seemed like he was just better at managing egos. And I think the, what, what is just god-awful is when David Griffin leaves and LeBron sends that tweet, it's like Dan Gilbert had one job, and that's don't piss off LeBron James. Don't irritate <laughs> LeBron James. And he's literally – talking about how much he appreciates the guy you showed the door and then the other thing that gets me is Chauncey Billups is your primary target you waste however long chasing him and not only do you miss but you probably miss in large part because you lowball him I just it takes a special kind of ignorance I think especially this offseason of all offseasons when you know LeBron uh, is one year away from free agency to let this all happen like control what you can control at the very least and it doesn't seem like Dan Gilbert even did that at the most fundamental level. There's few things that you can do about a bad owner. Like one <laughs> one of the one of the po- possible positives of LeBron leaving and this just all absolutely going uh, to hell would be the possibility that Dan Gilbert sells the team. Like there there's some part of me like LeBron is not worth it if you're not contending. Like everything that goes with LeBron can be exhausting. Like, and I think a lot of Cavs fans, um, not not to be confused with Cleveland sports fans and LeBron's fans, but Cavs fans, I, I think the reason they're so sympathetic to Kyrie is we kind of get it. Like, by February, March of every year, you're exhausted with LeBron, and like you're just like, okay, if I can just make it the playoffs, it's all going to make sense again. It, we're going to have four weeks of this being fun and then it's the Warriors like that's every single season so I I get why it's exhausting for the players like even Richard Jefferson said well we we hope Kyrie's going to be back but at the same time I get it this organization's a mess there's so much instability that guy is a treasure oh god I love Richard Jefferson like oh they better he's got to do something after he retires man right and they better not get rid of Channing Frye in any Kyrie Irving deal because this podcast road trip it needs to live on. That's my case. It's so good. Like even if you're not a Cavs fan, it's absolutely amazing. Subjectively fantastic. Um, the one thing Did... that Go I ahead, wanted Dan. to ask before, I guess, well, Andy has something, but there's also those hypothetical trade packages, some of which. Yeah, are that's terrible. what I was going to jump to. Um, so, <laughs> go my ahead. One thing is not that this should assuage any fears that Cavaliers fans have that LeBron would leave, but 
why is anyone, even LeBron, going to the Western Conference right now? Like, you know, cool, let's say it's Los Angeles. Like, Los Angeles is fun. It's, it's nice to live there. The weather is good. Uh, Houston, Texas' state income tax isn't bad. But, like, why are you going to the West? Like, it's just, that seems like, I don't want to use the word dumb, but the Warriors are there. So, like, are you just hoping if your season's going to end, it ends a little bit earlier than June? <laughs> and get a longer vacation. Yeah, yeah. A, little, a little more rest. I, I mean, if LeBron goes west, the only thing that would make any sense would be the Spurs, right? Oh like from God. a basketball we, standpoint. We talked about that in the last episode. That's that's the spot that makes the most sense for him basketball wise. Yeah, but then yeah. I, their cap situation is crap after that Pau Gasol deal next summer. They could still do it. That's but true. I don't they know would why have you to gave find him three some way to unload Aldridge. Well, one, he, one thing that makes me feel better about. Uh, whether or not LeBron's going to stay is teams are not operating like he's going to be available. Every single time he has hit free agency, there's been a bunch of teams that um, clear cap space and and they operate in that way. Um, I mean, the Knicks are signing big deals. Uh, as he said, the, the Spurs haven't made themselves available. Um, Miami has committed themselves to a lot of money. Um, the teams are just not operating that way. I mean, the only exception would be the Lakers who are basically just hoping any free agent chooses them. Like, of course they're, they're going to pitch LeBron, but, uh, from a basketball standpoint, that just doesn't make any sense, especially when you consider LeBron hates young players. <laughs> and he's kind of at an iffy age himself. It's like next year he's going to be 33. And while I honestly just, I can't imagine like, even when Kobe, when, when he was playing fairly well when he was 35 or whatever he was under Mike D'Antoni, it was like, you just knew it, he was going to fall off a cliff. I just can't picture LeBron just not being LeBron anymore. But at the same time, when he's 33... You're not paying for his best years. Yeah. He's, he's going to fall off at some point. I've decided like, he's I'm surprised not falling his leg off until he's like 41. Drop. <laughs> I'm surprised his leg didn't. just doesn't fall off at some point. Yeah, the mileage on him is insane. Um, unprecedented, really. I do have. Did you? Did either of you guys get any notifications? Because I tagged yes. you in that tweet. So uh, I think uh, why don't you pick your I, favorite? I'm being I'm being very focused and zoned in on this, so I haven't Good. checked it. You know what? We appreciate that. Someone. <laughs> yeah, needs you're to better focus. than us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm hashtag um, all in. I like it. <laughs> so so my, I have one from Ryan Blackburn. He writes for uh, Denver Stiffs, SB Nation. Um, Quality it's, site. It's pretty I mean it's a three teamer, so I don't I don't want to name all nine players that he has in here. Um, but it's the Nets, the Nuggets, and the Cavs. And the Cavs have Jeremy Lynn, Will Barton, and Jamal Murray coming back in addition to, I would guess, a bunch of picks. Um, does that tickle your fancy at all? Jeremy Lynn. <laughs> I really want Jamal Murray. Uh, so good. <laughs> I so like bouncy. Jamal Murray too. There, there's such a separation from the eye test of Jamal Murray and his stats in his rookie year. Yeah. Because um, he did have some really rough stretches. But, like, when he actually strung good games together, it's like, okay, that's something and that's he was injured, too. Like, and we just didn't know it until the end of the year, right? He was injured and just playing because he's just, like, an OG. Mm-hmm. I think the eye test is more valuable for rookies than any other time, though. Oh, absolutely. You, like, you that, that's the biggest thing. You can see a lot of thing. flashes from that kid. Um, Jamal Murray would be really fun. Like, oh, the the best scenario would be they do a trade like that where there's no real high impact guy, but okay, like maybe you got some potential all stars there. Then LeBron leaves, they trade Love for future picks, and then they just bottom out have a future. Yeah, use use that trademark Cavs luck. Um, the the first round picks they've traded away are almost all top ten protected, so. Uh, all of a sudden, you're getting those back. And then in 2019, draft uh, R.J. Barrett, and then you got Murray, Barrett, and Thompson there. All Canada. <laughs> I like it. Barrett, oh, Barrett's going to be so good. Um, that's that's going to keep me invested in basketball no matter what happens to the Cavs. <laughs> that was quite a showing he had um, just a couple weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's he's pretty damn good and really young. Um, Dan, do you see one in there that's interesting to you? I can't tell if it's interesting or not because I think it's bad. <laughs> but it would look uh, to me, it would look a lot more appealing if the Heat had a first to give before 2023. But Dragic, Winslow, Josh Richardson, and a first for Kyrie and Shrump. I don't know if the Heat can somehow just finagle like another first that comes sooner that conveys to Cleveland. But 
Dragic and LeBron would be a nice fit. Winslow is already pretty good defensively. He's not a bad playmaker. He just can't shoot. Um, and, and Josh Richardson, I think he'll have a bounce back year after how we saw him shoot for a lot of last season. Just, I find it interesting. I don't think it's enough, but that was one of the more interesting ones I saw. I think Justin. I, I love the one that Lowe pitched, uh, the Murray Harris Chandler in a first. I, I wouldn't even need the first, but that, <laughs> like, that would be. See fun. if I'm if I'm Denver, I'm I'm like fighting tooth and nail to keep Gary Harris, but I don't know if it's going to be possible. I don't know if I give up both. Like if you have to. That's give what up I'm one, saying. Like if you can figure out a way to do one or the other. Would you but, do Barton if it was say you remove you like Murray more, but Harris might help you immediately if you get one of Murray or Harris. Wilson Chandler, Will Barton, and a first. Does that do it, or do you still need Harris and Murray? Where Where do you guys stand on Harris? Because like I really like him. I think he can be like eighty percent of Bradley Beal. I'm really high on him too, and that's why I, I love watching the Nuggets right now, and I love the chemistry that he has with Jokic. So that's why I don't really want to split that tandem up. He also, and I know the numbers don't always look good, but he just looks like he tries so damn hard on the defensive end, and he's not especially long or. Or tall, but he just looks like he tries a hell of a lot more than Bradley Which, Beal, for instance. That he, counts he would for be a, lot a good obviously. starting combo guard, like in place of Kyrie. Like I, I could see him starting there at the point guard position. So would you go? So let's say Harris, Barton, Chandler, and a first, and even if you have to take one of the Nuggets' Jillian stretch forwards that they have. Um, yeah, like if if they were able to put in other assets, I, I'd be open to that. That might be one of my favorite realistic ones because I think some of the ones that I'm really more interested in, I don't know. Wiggins back in Cleveland would be hysterical, but also fun to watch. But I, I just don't know. That one's if, interesting to me too. I just don't know if Minnesota has like the assets to make uh, a third team come in before Jeff Teague is eligible to be traded in December. The Josh Jackson one, I, I would just love. I don't know if Cleveland would love it, but I would love him in Cleveland. I don't think Phoenix gives him up. Um, and I guess some combination where if the Cavs end up getting Bledsoe and then there's a third team involved and perhaps it's the Nuggets and they're getting a combination of these guys where, you know, if they end up with Harris and Bledsoe somehow, that's, uh, that would be super intriguing to me as well. But in terms of just straight two-to-two -two trades, I think whatever package the Nug Nuggets could offer, whether it only has one or both of Harris and Murray, that might be my favorite in terms of what, what is good for both sides and what would make both sides most interesting and what would actually benefit um, the Cavs. It's right up there with that Bucks offer for sure to me. I have one more um, just because you guys know how much I love the Utah Jazz. Who? Um, <laughs> I was really surprised when Windhorse said on that pod that Cleveland was interested in Derek Favors because I just don't understand how Favors and Tristan Thompson would work together. Um, Me either. <laughs> and yeah, it seems is Kevin weird. Kevin Love leaving in that scenario too. Yes, he is actually oh, okay. in this one that was sent to me. Um, it seems like an absolute like pipe dream for Utah because the framework this person gave us is at Utah Jazzy Man. Um, <laughs> oh, he seems unbiased. That's good. <laughs> yeah, you right off the bat. SLC dunk. He has Utah getting Kevin Love, Phoenix getting Kyrie and Burks. And then Cleveland gets Bledsoe, Favors, Dudley, and Warren. That is awful. Okay. <laughs> is it just me? With all due respect, that is just. What's up? Which side do you not like? I think Cleveland's getting I... kind of hosed. Yeah. I just I mean, Derek Favors is going to be a free agent. <laughs> Favors, I... the, yeah, Favors is tough. Josh Jackson, at minimum, would have to be in that trade. So what if you swap Josh Jackson for T.J. Warren? Then I probably don't like it. For, well, then I guess you could justify it a little bit easier for Phoenix, but still. I don't think Phoenix is getting enough. Well, I don't know, actually, because we just talked about Phoenix giving all that for Kyrie alone. But they're taking right. on Alex Burke's dead money in this situation. And then all know. of a sudden, Kevin Love's not. Like, okay, the, the conclusion to that trade is LeBron James is gone. <laughs> it would be true. that would be the next cap that's the next level curveball right like uh cleveland just steers into life without lebron before he's actually gone yeah that that's dan yeah. gilbert's f you move <laughs> which is not like um it's not inconceivable i i also think it was interesting that he said that utah has been talking to cleveland for months that that surprised me a little bit Kevin so Love I wouldn't on be surprised Utah if would make a like lot of sense with Gobert, but we're we're well. Past. Oh, I think that's like the perfect front court tandem, but I don't I don't know if Utah has. 
I think it's well. The Kevin Love stuff is moot now that you can't get George or Butler. Yeah, that's true too. I know you guys won't agree, but Kyrie would be kind of neat in Utah. I actually like that too. Oh, especially I don't, especially I don't know Taylor how they John. would do it. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how to make it happen, but it would be exactly that'd be a good fit. Uh, but they, yeah, they need offense. Plus, there's white women. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> I think that's a good note to end on, don't you, Dan? Yeah, I think let's end on there's white women in Utah. <laughs> um, that that better be the uh, the title of this podcast. There's white women in Utah. Podcast. Think of the right. clicks. <laughs> That'll be up to Dan. Um, thanks for joining us, Justin. This was good. Yeah, no uh, problem. Always it. enjoy it, guys. Appreciate your insight. Um, you can follow uh, Justin on Twitter at Cavs Anada, C A V S A N A D A. He's got the Chase Down podcast, like Dan mentioned at the start. Uh, shout, I'm shout out to the Chase Down. Uh, subscribe, follow, give us reviews, give us uh, feedback. We we um, we really have a lot of fun doing that. So um, can I want to plug well, that. I really liked how it seemed like um, you and your co-hosts is, is Cart Cart. Am I going to butcher Cart. the name? Cartier. Carter Rodriguez. Carter Rodriguez. Wow, it was easier than I thought. It, it seems like you guys, like your feels were unfolding in real time after LeBron sent out that tweet uh, about not wanting to punch Kyrie Irving or whatever. I really enjoyed that part. <laughs> Where all Carter and I have a good time. Uh, Carter's good people. Yes, he is. Apple Podcasts. Where Where else can we find uh, Chase Down? Um. Well, we're on AlmightyBaller.com. Uh, you can also uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher. Yeah. Um, just Google Chase Down Podcast, and um, we're we're basically available on everything. Cool, and like Dan also said, you can find uh, Justin on Fear the Sword and Press Basketball. Um, as always, I'm at Andrew D Bailey. Dan's at Dan Favalli. The show's at Hardwood Knox. We would appreciate those subscriptions and, and ratings as well. Uh, and until next time, shout out to the one and only Bino Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.